0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis about the life of Abraham and how the Lord Jesus Christ shielded him and us from the attacks of the enemy. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org and on iTunes. And we're continuing to announce the exciting news that Tom Cantor's finished his long-awaited Friendship with God Bible. It's a King James Bible with over 2,200 pages, has over 600 pages of Bible Helps and resources. It's got Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament, over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes a daily bread reading notation schedule, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom made full color maps, a full color nine page history of Israel timeline map, not to mention an incredible concordance. There's also a section for the most popular Bible scripture references to memorize, Bible reference help section, and Prophecy and Fulfillment's reference section, as well as the names of the Messiah as shown in Scripture section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor, too many to name, to help you study your Bible and help you grow your friendship with God. And we're printing a limited supply of these on Finland thin paper printing technology. And they will be covered in lambskin leather. Now, a reference commentary Bible like this would normally run $200 or more, But we'll be offering this incredible Tom Cantor Friendship with God commentary and reference Bible at less than $80. And that's if you call and sign up today before the first limited print run release. So call us at 1-800-247-3051. Again, we'll add you to our list of first limited print run release. 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. Now, one of the ways this Bible will be used is not just our own personal growth and study, but the growth and study of those that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ or those that have just received the Lord Jesus Christ, especially lost Jewish people. Now, those that are reached through our Israel Restoration Ministries missionaries, and they will be given a copy of this Bible. Now, recently, a couple of our missionaries were in a Jewish neighborhood, and they observed a Russian woman, a caretaker, who peeked her head out of a house and said, She's Jewish. Come on in. So this Russian caretaker observed that these women working for IRM were missionaries, and she invited them into the house, and they met Trudy, an elderly Jewish woman. They greeted her, got to know her a bit, and shared why they were out in the neighborhood and why they were sharing the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Jewish Messiah. Now they asked Trudy what she thought of the Messiah. And Trudy said, the Messiah is not coming. Well, they told her that they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And Trudy allowed them to go over some of the prophecies of the Messiah and what the purpose of the Messiah was. They went over the fall of man and the importance of the need of a blood covenant and how Jesus was a spotless lamb who shed his blood for the sins of all mankind. Now, Trudy received what was given to her, but didn't believe that Jesus was resurrected. They showed her all the prophecies of the Messiah and how he would be cut off and die and resurrected. So they went over the doctrine of the resurrection. And after she understood that and acknowledged it, they now needed to get her to understand that she was personally a sinner. And so they went through the Ten Commandments and how that blood could only atone for sin against God. So the missionaries worked with Trudy, and she understood finally that she was a sinner. She asked various questions about where Jesus was now and They explained how he was in heaven, and they recited from John 14 how that she too could be in heaven and that God would prepare a place for her. They told Trudy about the fact that Jesus came primarily for the Jews, citing Scripture that he came for his own, but his own received him not. Now, as they explained to her, she never knew that Jesus came for the Jews. Trudy had also been mistaught that if she embraced Christ that she would have to forsake her Jewish heritage the Israel Restoration Ministries missionaries explained to her that is not the case. And they pointed Trudy back to the scriptures. And she was now ready to be saved. In her home, she accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as her Messiah and Savior. And she exclaimed, I'm so happy. And she desperately wanted to read the New Testament. Now, her Russian caregiver, who had invited our Israel Restoration Ministries missionaries in as they were going door to door, told them that she had a hard time explaining the scriptures to her because she spoke mostly Russian and had limited English. And she was so thankful that they came by the house to give Trudy the gospel. Now, they worked with her to disciple her and to give her a Bible. But this is what Tom Cantor's Bible will be given out as to help lost Jewish people grow in their newfound relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you'd like to be on our list for receiving one of these Bibles that we put into precious hands of lost Jewish people or newly saved Jewish people, call us today at one 800 247-3051. If you'd like to sponsor and support Israel Restoration Ministries and our missionaries in getting the gospel out door-to-door, house-to-house, face-to-face, person-to-person, and reaching a million and a half lost Jewish people a year, if you want to support Israel Restoration Ministries, you can do so by going to friendshipwithgod.org and donating online. You'll receive a matching donation towards Israel Restoration Ministries by supporting this radio program. Call us today with your donation at 1-800-247-3051. Help the gospel to go out to the lost Jewish people first, as commanded in Romans 116 one 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. Let's see more people like Trudy, this lost Jewish woman, receive Christ. So support Israel Restoration Ministries and the Friendship with God radio program and our missionaries that go door-to-door with the gospel so that the Jewish people of our nation and Gentiles might be saved. Call us today, 1-800-247-3051, one 247 3051 Now here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching lesson from the book of Genesis.
1: Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful book that you've given to us, the book of God, the book of life. Lord, help us to draw closer to you today as a result of having studied your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, Genesis 15, and start now and just follow along as I read here Genesis 15, starting verse 1. And after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield. And thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them, and said unto them, So shall thy seed be. And he believed. In the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the earth of the Chaldees to give thee this land, to inherit it. And he said, Lord, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto them all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against the other." But the birds divided, he not, And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, and horror, of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. Afterwards shall they come out with great substance, and thou shalt go unto thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age, but in the fourth generation they shall come thither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces, and said that And the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land. From the river of Egypt unto the great river, the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenazites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the e- Rephaims, and the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Now, this chapter started here with God telling Abraham that God had made himself the ultimate shield to Abraham. Remember that. We've discussed various aspects of what that meant for God to be a shield to Abraham. We talked about the beating of the shield and what the shield endured in order to protect Abraham. It's a very important aspect of this shield for Abraham. As the front of the shield took all the abuse, all the beating, and the backside of the shield was relatively safe place. It was a nice protected place. And what God was saying to Abraham was that behind the shield was like a secret place for Abraham where he could be hid from the battle. So the shield sees what the person behind the shield doesn't see. The shield sees what the person does not see. That shield hides the person from the attacks. It's very similar to what David said in Psalm 27.5 when he said, For in time of trouble he shall hide thee in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, he shall hide me upon a rock. And then David went further on to say, in Psalm thirty-one twenty, he said, Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. See, in the first psalm, he said he would be hidden from the time of trouble. In the second psalm, he's talking about being hidden from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Dirtening. The strife of tongues. And then in Psalm 64, 2, David says, hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked. Okay, that's another thing and the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. So just as God was a shield to Abraham, God's a shield to us. And from behind the shield, these verses tell us that we don't even see all the trouble that's against us. Why? Because God's our shield. And when we get to heaven, we may learn of all the trouble that God as our shield saw and protected us from, and we never saw those troubles. And behind God is our shield, we don't see all the pride of man that's against us against us. But God does. And so when we get to heaven, we may learn about all the pride of man that goes against us, that God saw as our shield and protected us from, that we never saw. And hiding behind God as our shield, we don't see all the strife of tongues that's against us. But God does. Again, we get to heaven, we may learn about all the strife of tongues that were against us, that God saw and protected us from. Hiding behind the shield, we don't see the secret counsel of the wicked. That's against us. But the shield does. We get to heaven. Again, we may learn. We don't know. We may learn of the secret councils, the Wiccas, that were against us, that God saw, that God protected us from. Hiding behind the shield. We don't see what's called in the scripture the insurrection of the workers of iniquity against us. But God does, and he protects us as our shield. And when we get to heaven, we may or we may not learn about the, all those insurrections of the wicked. All of that is because our shield sees what's against us, protects us from what's against us, and we never saw it because we are God's protected sheep. We have no idea what God has seen and what the devil who hates us, has planned against us, but God, our shield, he sees it, and he protects us. We never saw that. Well, thinking about that makes me think of a, of a very important meeting in Japan that I'll never forget that was in the 90s, so it was almost 20 years ago, when John Van Duzer, my right-hand my man of my best friends, and he and I had made this business trip to Japan for a very important meeting that was scheduled. Our company had been doing business with Nisui Pharmaceuticals for over five years, and we had become a key supplier for their clinical chemistry product line. And since the 1980s, already 10 years before this, or really 15 years before this, I had visited Nisui Pharmaceuticals for 10 years with no business at all. And you say, "Why did you keep visiting him?" That's what they asked. <laughs> Why did you keep visiting for ten years? Now? Because I cared about those Japanese businessmen, and I was just happy to have the opportunity to bring the gospel to them. But after ten years, they became impressed at how it would come every year with no business. We had no business. And they told me that one day, they opened up their business meeting diaries, which they keep, and they saw that I, as the president of Scandibodies Laboratory, came to visit them for 10 years, and I had no business with them during those 10 years, so they thought that business was my reward. But every time I visited them during those years, they'd take me to lunch. See, and during those lunch times, then I would give the gospel to them. That was my reward. But they didn't know that. And I would have kept on visiting them for another 10 years, just for the opportunity to bring the gospel to these men who will never go to a church. And they're still on my heart today as I pray for them. They might be saved. Anyway, they were impressed that I, as the president of the company, would come visit their company every year for 10 years with no business, see? So based on that, they decided that, well, if the president of the company comes to visit him for 10 years with no business, that I would be a very loyal supplier. Very high in Japan to be a, a loyal supplier. And I wouldn't walk away when problems came. Problems always come. So based on that, they made the decision to establish with our company a close working relationship where we would supply them with these key reagents. Then I and my staff, and we developed a close working and personal relationship with their research and manufacturing and development staff. They'd come to San Diego to our site every year, and I'd continue to go to visit them at least once a year. And when I would go, we would do business during the week, and then during the weekends, we spent time together building friendships in a hot spring resort in the mountains near Nagano but I was never allowed to meet their infamous company president named Mr. Tamimoto, Tamimoto Tamimoto-san. And they told me about him. He had quite a reputation. They said he was, in the weekends, they would tell me, they said he was a very hard man, that he liked to go around the company threatening to fire people all the time. And they told me that, frankly, he was so harsh that they were embarrassed about his rough behavior. And so finally, after five years of working in our close business relationship, the time had come where we had to have the meeting and I would meet the infamous Tomimoto-san, President Tomimoto-san. And so the meeting was set for 10 a.m. at their company headquarters in Sugamo. And Sugamo, by subway, is only about 15 minutes from where we were staying in Shinjuku in our hotel. And on that trip, John and I, and we had our wives, and we were combining business with sightseeing. And so we were going to go to the meeting, John and I were going to go to the meeting with the Nisui president at their headquarters in Sugamo. And we were told it was a very important meeting and Mr. Tamimoto was going to be there and all the directors of the company, about 20 of them, were going to be there as well. And a translator, a very special translator, would be there because Mr. Tamimoto didn't speak English. And so for this important meeting, they brought in this retired former executive, Mr who was very experienced with American companies, and he spoke English well, and he was going to be a translator. We never met him before. And so the meeting was going to take place on the top floor of their building, their company headquarters in Sugamo, and that's where it's going to be. In our context, our close friends, Mr. Kobayashi and Mr. Shibata, are good friends, and there we're going to make the formal introduction of us to Mr. Tomimoto's, and and then during that time, we were going to exchange vows of loyalty between the two companies. So that's what you do. Anyway, so the meeting was in August. It was a very hot and humid day in August. It was so hot and humid, it was like being in a sauna to go outside. Dad, I carried with me two zippered bags. One zippered bag had the wet washcloth, and the other one had the dry washcloth, which didn't stay dry for very long. But anyway, and I had a routine, wet, dry. It was just, it was just that kind of, anyway. And the sun was shining. It looked very beautiful outside. It was, it was very beautiful, but it was so, it was like being in a sauna. And so we were kind of a little bit, John and I were sort of like on a half vacation, sightseeing mentality. And it got to be about 9.20 in the morning. And the meeting, like I said, was at 10. And I thought about going there. And I thought, oh, going down under the ground to the subway it's like descending into the bowels of the earth you know it was so hot and it was hot I thought about how hot it would be down there underground subway station how hot the subway can get with the doors opening I said John don't we just want a nice air conditioned taxi to take us to the Nisui headquarters in Sugamo it's only 15 minutes away by subway we got the time we'll make the appointment on time and John is also sweating profusely like me we're outside he says that's sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. So we ask the concierge to write for us in Japanese Nisui Pharmaceutical and Sugamo, and the address. We get in the taxi. We hand him the taxi driver the slip of paper. He indicates he knows where to go. The taxi's nice and cool from the air conditioning. Off we went. And so what do I do? Immediately I fall into a deep sleep and I just slept. <laughs> and I wake up and I look at my watch. It's 10 a.m. And I said to John, John, it's 10 a.m., where are we? And John says, I don't know, we can't ask the taxi driver. (laughs) All I know is that we're not here. But he said, but what I do know is that while you've been sleeping, we've been stuck in terrible traffic. We've barely inched along. And I said, well, maybe we're just about to arrive. So maybe it's not a big crisis. We're just ahead. And we waited and we waited. And I stared at my watch. And I watched every minute <laughs> go by on my watch. And I was getting more and more nervous. And it was 10:15 Because the one thing I, was, I had learned in Japan is that you are never late to a meeting. You know, in Japan for a meeting, you always plan to arrive 20 to 30 minutes before the meeting. And you have a coffee break. If you don't like coffee, you have a coffee break because you never arrive late and you never come to the meeting sooner than three minutes. That's rude. So you watch your clock very. Everybody does this. And you absolutely never, never, never come later than two minutes for the meeting time. So I was still a little groggy from sleeping and it's already been like 15 minutes. And I knew we were getting into deeper and deeper trouble. And so when we didn't arrive at the company, I felt helpless that all I could do was watch the clock. I watched every single minute. It got to 10.30. I watched the thing go around 30 times. And even though the cab was air conditioned, I was sweating. And we got to 10.43. And finally, the taxi pulls up, and we see the big sign, in the suite. pharmaceuticals, the headquarters building. And Mr. Kobayashi, he comes running out of the building to the taxi, and he looked as white as a sheet. And he opens the door, and he says, You're late! <laughs> he says, you know... And I started to explain, well, yes, you know, I'm sorry about that. We had terrible traffic. He cuts me off and he says, no, you are never late in Japan. I didn't say another word. And so he rushed us up to the top floor of this board meeting room. And when we came, the board meeting room had double doors. You know, that enter into the room, and I looked at my watch, it was 10.45 when the doors opened. And you look in there's a big room, and right where you enter was in the middle of the room, and the middle of the room was this long table there that sat 25 people on each side, and so Mr. Tamimoto was very obvious who he was. He was in the middle of this room, right when the doors opened, and so he has, you know, 10 directors on one side, left side, and then he's got Mr. Kanda, the translator, and ten directors on the other side. And then we just open up, and then on our side are only two chairs. (laughs) One for me, one for John, and mine was right across from Mr. Tomimoto's. So Mr. Tomimoto, on, as soon as the doors open, he just glares at my eyes with this unflinching intensity, and he could feel it. And as soon as I sat down, he starts yelling to me in Japanese, And he yelled with this ferocious passion. He was just so angry. His face got red and the veins on the side of his neck started to bulge out of his neck. And he started to pound his fists on the table. And he leaned forward to yell at my face more closely. And as he yelled so strongly, spit was coming out of his mouth. And it was landing on my face (laughs) and on my shirt and tie and jacket. And I just didn't move. I, didn't, I just sat there. And he was in a total rampage. And from the minute he started to yell at me, every one of those directors dropped their heads and looked at the ground. It was like a symphony. They, the minute Tommy san started to yell, all together, they all dropped in unison. And John was in shock. <laughs> he was looking at me as the spit from his mouth was landing on my face. And I never wiped off the spit. And I just smiled graciously, and I thought to myself, this is the one time I'm so glad I don't understand Japanese. (laughs) And he yelled, and he hollered, and he pounded his fist, for 15 minutes but it seemed like forever to me and all during that time he's yelling at me Mr. Kanda he's taking notes He's writing down the notes and he's flipping from page to page he's writing you know Mr. Tomimoto-san speaking and he's flipping the notes finally he stops in this rampage and then he turns with this angry look at Mr. Kanda you know to translate say to me and he glares at Mr. Kanda. And so Mr. Kanda quickly looks over the pages of his notes. And I was really afraid what we're going to hear next, you know. And Mr. Kanda pauses. And Mr. tamimotos you've got to picture the scene. Mr. Tomimoto's glaring at him. Mr. Kanda, gets serious like he pauses. And he looks up at me. And Mr. Kanda smiles and says, tamimoto san says, welcome to Japan. <laughs> And he says, how was your flight? (laughs) And I smiled. (laughs) And I said, well, thank you very much. (laughs) I said, flight was fine. And that's all I said. And then Mr. Kanda, he wrote down some notes. And he turns to Mr. Tomimoto, and he spoke for 10 minutes of what I said. All I said was the flight was fine you know? and I thought why does it take such a long time to say the flight was fine and when Mr. Kanda finished Mr. Tamimoto he grunts he gets up he walks out the door and he slams the door and that was the last time I ever saw Tamimoto sign <laughs> and then I wiped the saliva off my face and clothes <laughs> well you know what Mr. Kanda did for me <laughs> What he did for me was the same thing that God did for Abraham. He was a shield for me. Mr. Kondo was a shield for me, protecting me from what Mr. Tommy Motosan was really saying to me. I'll never know what Mr. Tommy Motoson said in that meeting. And I asked what they said, and they said, You don't want to know. <laughs> and so, and I'll never know. But that's what the Lord Jesus Christ does for us, He shields us from the attacks of the enemy. That we may never know what was planned against us.
0: Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now do you have a lost Jewish friend? Someone who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal savior? Now we want to help you to reach them with the gospel. We reach over a million and a half lost Jewish people a year face-to-face, door-to-door, directly with the gospel. But we want to put a gospel gift in your hands to give to your lost Jewish friend. A free gift from Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries so that you can give that gift directly to them or we can send it directly to them by mail. You can get this free gift by going to friendshipwithgod.org, clicking on the free Jewish gift. So again, friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or call us today at one 800 247 3051 1-800-247-3051. Or again, if you want to support us, go to friendshipwithgod.org and donate online or 1-800-247-3051.